We, uh, as I said, uh, are really excited today about, um, you know, Stephen and his wife Andrea joining us. And uh, it's just, it's a good day to expand in the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, we've uh, we had a chance, you know, not only, you know, through, you know, all of, uh, you know, the hiring process, but also this week, even just to kind of work alongside of uh, uh, Stephen. And we were just so impressed, you know, not only just by his, you know, his, his, um, his gift mix, but his desire and his hunger, right, just to see the kingdom of God expand. And uh, he's got a heart of, of a teacher. He's got a heart of an evangelist and, uh, you know, just a, a general love and care, you know, for, for people. And uh, these were just attributes that I know just really stood out to us. And, you know, even the fact that I said, you know, he, he loves to pray. Like, even on day one, we, we started praying. Uh, you know, we, that was one of the things we do together as a team. And it was Monday morning, and we were praying. And I'm like, you know, if you want to, you know, join, you know, jump in and, and, and start praying. He's like, I absolutely will be. And uh, he just, you know, jumped in and started praying with us together as a team. And it was just really encouraging, uh, you know, to, to see all those things come together. Amen. Well, we are excited. We actually want to bring them up up here just to kind of give you guys a quick hello. And uh, yes, would you guys welcome Stephen and Andrea? Yeah. Just, just, just head up here. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's so good to be here. Thank you for the warm welcome. Uh, it's been just a great week. We've been going at it from day one. I think we spent 12 hours together on Monday from nine till nine, it was amazing. And we got in really important questions sorted out between our team, which is uh, one of the big one was, who likes sushi or not? So now that we have that out of the way, we can move forward. And um, <laughs> no, I've just really enjoyed getting to know uh, Pastor Brian and Pastor Sherry, and um, also uh, Sarah. And uh, we've been working really closely together. And I've been getting to know a lot of you as well, just little by little. and. That's been amazing. Thank you, Mark, for the invitation to the barbecue and all you awesome youth that I've already uh, been able to meet on Wednesday and Friday. So it's been going really well. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm so happy that I can be here. And the words that come to mind are for such a time as this. And I'm really, I'm really, I'm really just praising God. It's about him today. It's really about him. But I'm praising God that I get to be a part of this. So thank you so much. And it's not just about me coming and, and Andrea and my kids, but it's about you as well. And it's about what we can do together for such a time as this. What has God been doing in you? What God's been doing in me is culminating to something very special, I believe. And I'm really encouraged to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for welcoming me. Andrea, you okay? Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Sorry, I just punched you in the face. <laughs> We've just, uh, we kind of just, um, for those of you that don't know, um, we actually went through the hiring process like about, about a month ago or something, but then they left and they went overseas uh, for the month of, what month are we in, August, July? So they actually just came back, and as soon as they came back, you just kind of dove right in, and, uh, and it's just been so far, we've gotten so much accomplished. I'm really excited to see what God is doing, and um, I'm just ready for, I'm ready for this next season. I'm ready for the next, um, the next chapter, amen? Are you guys ready? Yes, this is good. All right, so today, you guys ready to hear the word of God? You have me up here solo today. 
And uh, this is this is not my uh, my comfort zone being solo up here because I feel like like he's he's my better half here. But Pastor Brian had two teeth pulled on Friday, so I told him I would um, suck it up and I would preach by myself. <laughs> But how many of you know we're on this adversity runners topic right now? And last week we actually talked about running towards your giant, right? How many of you were here? I kicked off my heels. I said some of us need to uh, kick off our heels, exchange them for some running shoes and start running toward the giant that's been trying to oppose us and trying to take us out. Amen. So today we're actually going to talk a little bit more. Um, actually, I talked last week. I, Pastor Brian was kind of laughing because I, I preached some of what I was supposed to preach today. I preached last week. So, so maybe you guys will get like a double portion today. I don't know. We'll see what comes out today. But, um, but I was talking about when we went on the cruise and there was fog um, in, on the cruise. And I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And, you know, when there's, there's fog in our life and we can't see what's going on um, in front of us or what's around us, it tends to be a scary moment, right? How many know when you can't see something, your imagination doesn't go to the good. Your imagination normally goes to the worst case scenario. And if you don't pull it back in check, then if you think about the, the worst case scenario, all of a sudden you begin to think about the, all the things that are on top of that and add it onto it and add it onto it. And all of a sudden you have these problems that are magnified in your, in your mind and you tend to end up getting to a point where you blow things out of proportion. How many have ever been there before? And this never, yes, never. I'd like to say never. And as a matter of fact, this moment right here, being up here solo, is one of those moments where I could have actually built up in my mind that, you know, this was something that I didn't, you know, couldn't do or something like that. But God is good. Amen. All the time, God is good. And he is faithful. And so um, this actually brings me to our topic today, which is running away in fear. How many know it can be very unsettling when those problems get magnified in your mind? When you don't know what's going on, you begin to really get to a point where you're just like uh, full of fear. How many have ever felt that fear of the unknown? Fear of being unsettled, fear of whatever is to come or whatever the situation is at hand. And I used to, when I was... Um, I, I, I'll say when I'm younger, when I was younger, although this was really just a few short years ago, the first time we preached, I was so um, worked up about it because um, public speaking is not my first, um, my strong suit, okay? This is, this is not something that I actually wanted to do in life was to be a public speaker. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, I went through all of high school and I got to my very, the end of my very last English credit. This was the very last thing that I had to finish. And in order to get this credit to graduate, I had to give a speech in front of more than 100 people. And I said, you know what? I don't need a paper that tells me that I've learned all the things that I need to know. I will bypass the diploma. I will not do the speech. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And I was, you know, I tried telling my principal that. And she said to me, um, you know, that's not the way it works. You got to do this. Like you're, you're literally just a speech away from graduating. And I said, it's okay. I don't need to graduate. I, I'm not meant to be a public speaker. I'm never going to get up in front of people, especially not more than a hundred people. And I am not going to talk in front of people. And so she said, okay, I'll tell you what, how about you write the speech because they had made me a uh, valedictorian. So I was going to, I was supposed to give that speech at graduation. So she says, how about you write the speech and we'll have somebody else say it on your behalf. I said, okay, perfect. I like to write, I can write a speech. So I wrote the speech and then five minutes before 
we get on. She says, okay, here's the microphone. You're up. I was like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'm just building this up in my mind. And, uh, and how many have ever kind of felt like that? I did a Google search and I tried to see what was like the top fears and the top fears that had kind of um, come, come up. Well, public speaking was like the top one, right? How many, how many had, have at one point or other in their life had a fear of public speaking? Pastor Rick, really? See, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you know what? That shows though that no matter who you are, no matter what you struggle with, no matter what fears you might have, that God might have a different plan for your life. And if we trust in him, we can actually get things accomplished. Needless to say, I did the speech years later, here I am, I'm, you know, I, I don't have those same anxiety things. But the first time that we preached, when leading up to it, I literally was debilitated. I could not think about anything else. I couldn't do anything. I, I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. I couldn't take care of anything. I literally was like, I'm, I'm preaching on Sunday. And Brian's like, yeah, it's Sunday. Today's Monday. I'm like, yeah, but I'm preaching on Sunday. And it was just this big thing that I had built up in my mind. But then when it came down to it, and I thought, you know what? It was really only about a half an hour of standing up in front of people. And when you trust in God, the words just come out, right? So any one of you guys could be up here at one moment. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe God's spoken something to you in your life. And, and uh, maybe he's, he's, there is a call on your life that you have pushed aside because of fear. And maybe I'm actually going way too far into my message at this point. But maybe God has put something in your heart that, that he has asked you to do. And maybe you don't feel equipped to do it. Maybe you feel like there is fear that is, that is uh, on the inside. And every time you think of that thing, it's, it's this, this anxiety, this stress that I, I I could never do that. I could never do that. But you know what? You can never do it because it's not by your might. It's by the power of God. It's by the power of his spirit that allows you to walk in the call that he has put on your life and where he is, uh, where he is leading you and where he is directing you. Amen. All right. So we're going to get in here. I'm going to tell you guys actually a story. Um, we're going to go through. I did a lot of studying this week because when I like to when, when, I, when I'm preaching, I like to study, study, study. So um, I'm going to try to um, throw out here the book of Genesis and the book of Acts. Okay, so you guys just strap your seatbelts on. Take notes if you want to take notes. I'll hopefully get some references to scriptures. But there is a story in the book of Genesis, and this is Jacob and Esau. How many have ever heard of Jacob and Esau? Fighting brothers. How many have ever had sibling rivalry? either in your house, with your siblings, with your children, or seen it in your parents or generations? How many? I think everybody could probably say that they've, they've seen people, siblings, fight. So here's a famous story of how Jacob and Esau, their brothers, and, you know, Esau, or Jacob, Esau was the older one. Jacob, he kind of uh, swindled some things, uh, you know, in, out of Esau. And um, anyways, we get to a point where um, their father Isaac is dying. And on his deathbed, he's saying, okay, I need to give a blessing to the oldest child. And so what he does is he, he says, um, you know, calls his oldest son and he says, okay, I want you to go out, hunt for me, get that game, make that game soup, the, the stew that I really, really like, bring it to me. And after I've eaten, then I'm going to give you the blessing of the eldest child. So Esau 
goes out and he goes hunting. And how many know if you go hunting, you don't always find something immediately. So Esau's gone for a while. Well, Rebecca, which is their mother, she overhears that Isaac was going to give a blessing to Esau. And she says to Jacob, the younger son, hey, I just heard that your dad is going to give a blessing to the oldest son. She wants this game soup. She's like, so here's what we're going to do. You want the blessing. So here, you're going to go out into our flock. You're going to grab something, um, and I'm, I'll cook the stew because I know exactly how he likes it. And then you're, you will pretend to be Esau because Isaac's eyesight was growing dim. He was growing older, and he wouldn't be able to tell. They would be able to do make some adjustments so that he wouldn't be able to tell that it was Jacob. And they, he would think it was Esau. And so Jacob goes out, he does this, he gets from the flock, and they come back. And as they come back, and he makes a stew, and he goes and he gets the blessing. As he's leaving there, Esau comes in with the stew, and he says, Father, here I am. Are you going to bless me? And he says, wait, who are you? Because I just blessed Esau, or who he thought was Esau. And then in that moment, Esau realized that he had been swindled out of the blessing of the eldest child. And so... How many know if something like that, you know what, first of all, let's just put it out here. How many have ever felt like they've been swindled out of something in their family before? Or know somebody, let's just say know somebody that's been swindled out of something in their family, maybe an inheritance or something of that nature. And how did these people feel? How did you feel? Doesn't feel very good, hey? So let's just put it here. Esau's not in a good place. So we go to Genesis chapter 27, verse 41. It says, so Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. So this tells us right there exactly what's happening. Esau was not very happy. He actually hated him. And he says, so I'm going to actually jump down because I'm only on page one now. It says, now there, in verse 43, now therefore, my son, this is Rebecca saying, and she calls to, she overhears that um, Esau is going to kill. He's like, he's, he hates Jacob so much, he's going to kill him. And he says it out loud. Yeah. And you know what? There are sometimes things like this can, can do things inside of people that like when situations like this happen, it can do something inside of you that can cause you to go to great lengths to get revenge, right? Bible says that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But anyway, so Rebecca, their mother, hears, overhears again, again, I, I kind of have this feeling that Rebecca is a little bit of a snoop. She's, she's like, she's just listening to all the things, and she's paying attention, and she's making her own decisions according to what she's hearing. But she hears that Esau is going to uh, kill Jacob, and so she says to him, she gets, she's afraid now, because it, in my opinion, it seems like she really loves Jacob a lot more than she loves Esau. And she says, now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise and flee to my brother Laban and Haran and stay with him a few days and until the fury's gone away, you know, like I can't afford to lose both my husband and my favorite child in the same day. Like she's like, you got, you got to run away. And so in this moment, we can see that that word where it says, um, arise, flee, that word actually means to bolt. So we can see that Jacob picked up on what his mom said, and he decides he's going to bolt. He's going he's gonna to get out of there. He does not want to be near where his, um, where his brother is out to get him. And so um, what's interesting about this is that Rebecca says, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to, I'll take care of Isaac, like your father. I'll take care of him. And I will we'll do this as like, you don't have to run away 
because we don't want to know, like Isaac, to know these kinds of things. What we'll do is we'll do it under the guise of, I want you to go away to find a wife over with my family over here, as opposed to the, to the uh, women who are here, which was the daughters of Heth, and the word Heth actually means terror, and it says that she, so she goes to Isaac and she says to him, like, you know, I don't really like the women around here. We don't want Jacob to marry them. Esau's already married these pe some women from this place, and we can see what a terror it's been and how hard it is on us. And she's saying this to Isaac to get him to actually send Jacob away. So, Jake, or to, so Isaac ends up saying, he's like, yeah, you know what? This is right. The, the daughters of Heth have caused us much anguish and much trouble. So yes, let's send Jacob away. So she, so they, Isaac sends Jacob away and he goes and Jacob flees. And here's the thing that I want to get across in this part is that there was a fear that happened in Rebecca and it was a very valid fear because there was a threat that Jacob would die that he would be killed, that his brother would kill him. So there was a very valid threat. But what happened was that she transferred that fear to Jacob. And as she transferred that fear to Jacob, Jacob runs and he goes away. And, you know, there are times in our lives where we have experienced, maybe we haven't experienced the direct threat, but generations before us have experienced that direct threat. And it's been passed down generation to generation into our lives. And all of a sudden we find that we're in a place where we're responding in a certain way and we don't know why we're responding. And it's a response out of fear and we're, we're fleeing things or we're fleeing from things. And we're wondering, why do we, why do, we do this? Why do we act like this? And we don't know, but it's it's really a generational fear that's been passed down through generations or from times past. It doesn't change that there was an actual threat that was there, but what does change is that, that you're acting on a past threat and you're, and you're in, in this moment, you know, you're allowing that fear to take root on the inside of your heart. So let's see where I'm at here. So anyway, so Long story short, we go through, he leaves, Jacob leaves, he goes and he um, finds some women to marry. He finds the beautiful Rachel. And here in this moment, he's like, this is the woman I've always wanted. She's everything that I, like, she's beautiful. She's everything I've ever wanted. And so then she decide, he decides he's going to ask her father, can marry her. So he gets married. And then, you guys know the story, right? On the wedding night, it's not Rachel. It's Leah. He was swindled. Wow, that sounds familiar. <laughs> like, he, here he swindled, you know, his brother out of his birthright, and now he's swindled out of the wife that he really wanted. So, um, so he marries Leah. Then he ends up marrying Rachel eventually after working for Laban for years and years. They have kids. And then things got so bad that he needed to flee. He needed to run again at this point. And so we have this pattern of running that is happening. And it says, actually, Genesis 31, 21, it says, So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And, you know, there's times in our lives where we need to recognize that, um, that now is not a time to bolt or now is a time to bolt. Right in the first part, there was an active threat that you know what he needed. He needed to get out of there. He ran away, but there are times where we need to recognize that God is asking us to stay through something, or there's times where God is asking us to leave something. But we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know when He is speaking to us and when He is where He is leading us and where He is guiding us, because there, 
there are going to be threats in our life and there are going to be things that, that happen in front of us that we will, our, our natural selves will all of a sudden want to bolt. We will look at these things and we will be afraid and we will want to run away. But it's not always the case that should happen. Just because something is presented to us that might be full of chaos and full of fear doesn't mean that we need to run away from it. Sometimes God is asking us to actually push through and to walk through that and to not experience the fear in our lives. See, fear is an interesting thing because it's a, a tactic that the devil uses to try to debilitate us and to try to knock us out. He's out for our destruction. Pastor Rick actually shared this scripture this morning that he's here to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. The enemy doesn't want you to fulfill the call of God on your life. He doesn't want you to be who, he has, who God has called you to be. What he wants to do is he wants to get you so debilitated with fear that you, don't, you on your own won't make the decision to do something. You won't step out in faith because you've got fear that's operating. And there are times in our lives where we feel that we need to just take fear into our everyday life. And it's easier to take the fear with us into our everyday life than it is to take Jesus with us in our everyday life. And God is calling us to a point now where we are no longer taking fear into our everyday lives, but we are saying, Holy Spirit, it is with you. Holy Spirit, you be the one who guides me. Holy Spirit, you lead me. And this is where I actually want to bring into the New Testament when we're talking about the disciples. And uh, when Jesus was here on the earth, he was, uh, he was, you know, really pouring into the men that were around him and the people like that, that he wanted to go on and fulfill the Great Commission. You guys know what the Great Commission is? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all men. Um, and so... So he was teaching them how to do this. And so they're going off and they're, and they're doing the things that God has called them to do. And they're facing all of this opposition because this is not something that's ever been done before. Right? People weren't going around, you know, sharing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, saved you from your sins so that you could have a relationship, a personal relationship with him. And so here we can see that the apostles were actually going forth and they were, they were doing this. They were spreading God's will. And God is saying that he wants us to think about doing his will over our own will. And so we need to set aside what we think we should do in our life because the enemy is going to tempt us with the things that we, that, that, you know, will tempt us, right? And every, everything that you're tempted with is personal to you. The enemy is not going to tempt me with something that wouldn't tempt me that would tempt you. The enemy is going to tempt me with something that would tempt me, that would entice me, that could possibly ensnare me. But God says, choose my will over your will. Choose my will over the enemy's will. And here's the thing is that there are times where we feel that we're walking in a way, but we're not bringing God into our everyday life, like I said. And we're not inquiring of the Lord, and we're not, we're not getting to a place where we're relying and trusting on him fully. And God is saying that he wants us to actually pour into him and say, God, no matter where you're leading me, I'm going to go. No matter what you bring me to, I'm going to follow. No matter what it looks like, I'm going to walk through it. If you're calling me to be thrown into the fire furnace, then I'm going to walk into the fiery furnace, and I'm going to know that you are with me. See, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, they were not thinking, my will, my will. They were thinking, you know what? If, if I don't, if I don't, or if I die, it doesn't matter because God, nevertheless God. See, but they were willing to go into the fire. They were willing to die because of God. And this is what the, the apostles were. They had this, you know, whole thought process that, that it's not my life. It's 
not my own, but my life is for God. My, it's, it's God's life and what he wants to do with me, then I will follow. And so, you know, he, the, we need to choose God's will over our finances. Right now, finances is a big thing that the enemy is really using to entice people, right? And we can even see in the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 that, you know, there, there was a fight there over God's will over, or, or finances. And the enemy likes to tempt us with finances because finances are a security in our life or we think that finances are a security and and the enemy thinks that if we can be secure with finances then we don't need to trust in god but how many know how many of you know that if you've ever been hurting for finances before in your life and you 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 want to figure out how you're going to make ends meet but there are times, actually every time, we're just trusting in God that he will show you the ways to get those ends met. And he will meet those needs because he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. He provides for us for in every area that we have need of, for our emotional needs, our physical needs, our, our mental needs, our spiritual needs, our financial needs. He is the all provider for us. And if we know his character, that he will provide for us, then there, there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to not trust because we know God. We know his character. We know who he is, and, and he's faithful. And I know in this moment that, you know what? I might not have $5 to my name, but I know God's got $5 to his name, and I know that he will take care of me. And so finances is, is an area that the enemy really tries to get in there, and he'll try to, to snare you with, you know what? Maybe you should do this, and maybe it's a little bit sketchy. But it's, it's, it's like that gray area that people talk about. Not so much me. I don't talk about gray area much. <laughs> but he says God's will over our career. I mean, you know, sometimes our career ends up causing us, you know, people, we see people who pray for, I need a job, I need a job. And then, and then they're like, God, I need a job. And then God gives them a job. And then all of a sudden, they're out of church. They're, they're nowhere to be found anymore. They're, they're not praying anymore they're not, because God provided for them. But you know what? If God provided for them in that area, there would still be that opportunity for them to stay connected to the body. God doesn't provide for us to separate us from the body. God provides for us in the body as we're connected in the body. And that's an important part. He says God's will over life. Stephen the martyr, you know, he, he gave up his life. He was stoned. So that, uh, for, the, for the will of God. Um, so I want to go, Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his, his life for my sake will find it. It's such a backwards way of thinking, but this is what God is saying to us. He's saying that I want you to deny yourself, deny what you think, put down your, your own will, pick up your cross and follow me. Because as he's saying that, as you pick up your cross, actually picking up your cross there, it's talking about making a stake in the ground, saying like, this, this is who I am. I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. This is what my life will be like, and I am not going to be moved by anything else that's around me. And this is the thing with the Apostle Paul is that he wasn't moved by the stuff that was going on around him. I, I read through, studied through the book of Acts, and there are so many things. I, I encourage you guys to go through the book of Acts. I don't think we're going to end up getting um, too far into the book of Acts today, but um, 
But basically, with Paul, what happens is that he's, he's, you know, on his journey just preaching the good news everywhere he's going. He's traveling. I really like this about Paul. He's, he travels a lot. I like to travel. And so I think, you know, bringing the gospel out to the nations, bringing the gospel everywhere you go, no matter who you're talking to, no matter what it is, like, you're always just, like, you're living, you're breathing the gospel, and you're bringing it to every person that you encounter, no matter where you are, the grocery store, the bank, at home down the street. Pastor Brian was actually outside. This was um, just before we started streaming prayer. You guys know the way that I am, and I'm standing in front of the camera ready, waiting with my microphone on, and Pastor Brian's nowhere to be found, except for he's out in the front lawn raking the leaves, or raking the grass off the, off the thing. And I'm not stressing because I know in this moment, like, if he's not here, I'm just going to start prayer without him. And this is what I've come to sometimes in life is that, you know what, if he's not prepared, I will be prepared for the both of us until he comes. And so um, finally, it's like Larry's counting down in my ear. He's like, you know, five, five seconds until we're live. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, Brian comes in and he says that he was out um, just quickly trying to rake up and the neighbor walked by. And started asking him about, I don't know, started talking about something. And they end up getting on the conversation of church and God. And so he ended up spending all that time. Here I'm thinking he's just not prepared. But God's using him outside in our front yard talking to the neighbor. And, and so this is the thing is that we need to be, understand that God puts us into places for a reason. And that we're not here for ourselves. We're here for, to get the gospel out. We're here to, to let others know that Christ came so that we could have life. Christ came so that you could have life. So that, not just so that you could have life, but that you could have life more abundantly. I mean, when he's talking about life more abundantly, he's talking about just this, this superfluous uh, life. This, this overly abundant life that he says that you can have. And you know, so many times as Christians, we feel like we're meant to be kind of pressed down or, or you know, like kind of on, on the back. And, and God says, this is not the life that I've called you to. Is this like everything's bad? But here's the thing is that we as humans equate that a good life means that we don't suffer. But if we look at the life of Paul, we see how much Paul suffered like, he suffered over and over and over again. And not only that, but when he was actually, um, he wanted to get back. He was on his journey, and he wanted to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And so he's telling the people there that he wants to get back to Jerusalem. And so he's like, I got to go. But the Holy Spirit warned him that there would be trouble, there would be chains, and there would be, um, you know, tribulation if he goes back to Jerusalem. But you know what? It didn't move him. He didn't, he wasn't thinking, oh, you know what? I got to run away from tribulation because my life is, is supposed to be great. No, what he said actually is that I have to do this. And he actually said that, um, I don't know where it is in my notes, but he said something about that, like their crying about this was breaking his heart because he knew he had a purpose and he had to bring the gospel. And his whole purpose was that he needed to get back to Jerusalem so that he could share his testimony. And he wasn't afraid to share his testimony, even though he knew that he was going to be bound up, put in chains in prison and treated unjustly. He, he even says to them, I don't even know if you'll ever see my face again, but don't be afraid. God's got this. See, God said that in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. It's interesting just having the, the term impending doom and 
good cheer, cheerful delight in the same sentence. And this is the way Paul lived his life, is that he could operate in those two things, this um, pending doom and this cheerful delight. He could have it together in the same sentence. I don't know about you, but I normally don't say pending doom and cheerful delight in the same sentence. If I'm thinking pending doom, I'm thinking like, this is pending doom. Or if I'm thinking cheerful delight, I'm like, this is great. But he knew that there was impending doom that was on, on his life. But he knew he needed to get there to share his testimony. He needed to be in God's will. He needed to get the gospel out there. And you guys know that the testimony of Paul was that he, he, he was Saul before. He was named Saul before. And he was actually persecuting the Christians. He was putting them in jail. He was testifying against them. He was putting them to death. He was condemning them to death. This was the life that, that Paul lived before he was Paul, who God called him to be. And so now he's completely changed his life around knowing that even the persecution that he had inflicted on others, that he was going to start enduring that as well. And so in this time, he's not afraid and he doesn't run from it, but he gets back to Jerusalem and sure enough, he's in chains and he's bound and they want to kill him. And he gets to this point where he says, they, he wants to appeal to Caesar because, you know, he's trying to go through the process because there's still a natural thing that you do, even though, you know, um, it's a, spirit, a very spiritual thing that happened. There was a natural process, so he's appealing to Caesar so that he can go and try to get out of prison and make sure that, you know, he's justified. So he appeals to Caesar, and so in order to get there, he has to go on the ship, but he's still bound. And so the Holy Spirit says to him, he has a vision, and God says to him, says, um, the ship's not going to make it. You know, there's going to be, lives are going to be lost. So he tells the, the people, he's like, you know, we cannot, we can't go on this journey on this boat because there's going to be great loss with the ship, the cargo, and our lives. But they decide anyways they're going to get on the ship. Now, God had given a word to Paul before this, saying that you will testify in Rome. And he's on his way to Rome to go appeal to Caesar. And so, so he gets on the ship, and of course, they are having trouble, and you know, their impending doom is here in this moment. And Paul still has this calm delight in his life. He's not running from the fear. Now, at this point, he's in chains. It's not like he can. He's out on the sea. It's not like he can run away. He's kind of stuck in that spot. But what happens is that everybody else is freaking out. And everybody else is uh, kind of in this mode of like, you know, uh, we're going to die. You know, he told us we were going to die, and now we're actually experiencing this. And, you know, when, um, when we went to Alaska, before we go on a cruise, you know, people say things to you, and they say, they would say things to me like, you know, I'm really nervous about you to go out on a boat, and like, you're out in the middle of the sea, and that's just a scary place to be. And I'm like... On the water is where I belong. That's where I love to be on the water. And I'm not afraid because I'm walking in God's will. And so if God's will is that I'm going to have impending doom on this ship, you know what? I'm still going to have cheerful delight because he's got a purpose for me to minister to people who are on the ship. Obviously, there was no impending doom on the ship. I came back. But here's the thing is that so Paul, they're going through this shipwreck. And then Paul is experiencing shipwreck. The ship is going down, and what Paul says to them is like, don't be afraid. He says, you know, we're, I'm supposed to, God told me I'm supposed to be in Rome. We're going to make it to Rome. So, you know what? 
we're going to lose this whole, and I'm paraphrasing all these um, verses and stuff. I think they're putting them up on the, on the screen. I'm not sure. Um, but this is the book of Acts, you guys. Just go read the book of Acts. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and so he says, uh, you know what? We, we've got to go through this. He's like, you know what? None of your lives will be lost. Have faith. God showed me this. It's okay. So he's telling you. And then he ends it with, um, except like we're still going to crash though. So we're still, we're going to be shipwrecked. So, so he's telling them, don't be afraid, but we are going to shipwreck. And so in that moment, there's that impending doom, yet that cheerful delight. And God is saying that there are times in our lives where we feel that the, the road that we are walking, there is so much tribulation and trials that's on that road. And our natural mind would naturally want to think that we are not meant to walk that road because God has called us to a good life. But God has called you to a good life. That is true. But the good life doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to experience tribulations and trials. What the good life means is that you've got Christ with you walking through those trials, walking through those tribulations. And as you bring Christ with you in your everyday life, you're going to leave fear to be gone. You're not going to bring the fear. You can't both bring fear and Christ with you on the journey because it will, it, it'll be double-minded. You, you will be um, more than anxious and more than stressed, which is fear in itself. Fear does not belong. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And when it talks about a sound mind that he's given us, what it's actually talking about is that there is that, that soundness of mind where your thoughts aren't all crazy and going out. You, you have a stake in the ground that you know no matter what happens, God is with me. I can think clearly because God is with me. I can walk straight because God is with me. I can see what's before me because God is with me. And there are too many times where we all of a sudden encounter things and we forget that God is with us and we drop him. And then we try to keep walking. And the more we try to keep walking, the rockier the waves get. And the harder it is for us to continue through things. When Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, they were going across. This is in, I didn't even look at my notes at all. I'm sorry. Um, this is when, I don't know. If you get it up, you get it up. But when Jesus was in the boats, they were going over to, I think it's Mark. They were going over to, um, the, to deliver the man from Gadarene, right? He, he had the, the legions, the, um, he was possessed by the many devils. And so they got in the boat and they were going across to deliver this man. On the way, they encounter this massive storm that was threatening to overtake, you know, their lives and stuff. And so Jesus was sleeping in the boat. It says he laid his head on the pillow and he was, he was sleeping. But the disciples were all like filled with fear. And they were like, oh, like Jesus, aren't you going to do something? Right? Because they know the power of God. They know that he's got the power, but he's sleeping. And so they think because Jesus is sleeping, they don't, the power's not going to operate. And so Jesus is like, guys, I, this is what I imagine. And he's like, guys, you're waking me up. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to be woken up. <laughs> but Jesus, they wake him up and they say, Jesus, like, are you going to do something? And so Jesus just gets up and the authority that's on the inside of him, he stands up and he rebukes the wind. See, the wind is the cause. It's that root, that root cause. And so he begins to rebuke the wind, and he spoke to the waves. The waves were the effect. So he rebukes the cause, and then he speaks 
to the effect. There are causes in our life that we need to come back to and realize, and we need to begin to rebuke the causes, the root causes in our life, and then we need to begin to speak to the waves, and we need to say, peace, be still. Peace be still. And in our lives, we get to a point where we, we don't want, um, we don't know the authority that we have as Christians, as believers. But the Bible says that he has given us power to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It doesn't say some of the power of the enemy. It says all of the power of the enemy. So as children of the most high God, we have the very power that's alive in Jesus Christ. The very power that rose him from the, from the grave is the same power that's alive on the inside of us. And so we have that as children of the most high God that we can stand up and we can say, we can rebuke the wind and we can say, peace be still to the waves that are surrounding us. And even though there might be chaos, and even though the waves might still be around us, we have our bubble that we are walking in of safety because we have Christ with us. Let's all stand to our feet. If you're here today, and I didn't actually get to most of my notes today, but I believe that God is speaking to the heart of the people. And there are fears and there are things that have debilitated you in your life for a long time. And some of them, you, didn't, you don't even know where they came from. And these fears have, have surfaced all of a sudden. And you, you're questioning, where, where is this coming from? I don't understand. But God is saying that you need to go back to the root. And he's saying, as you go back to the root cause, I want you to take the authority that I've given you over that. And I want you to speak peace into your life. There is power of life and death in your tongue. And so what we speak, what we pray, what we confess is all powerful. There is life or death in your tongue. And there may be things that are generational that need to go back and, and be broken over your life. But right now, I believe that God is going to begin to reveal to you as you open up your heart to him and you say, God, I, I, I want you to open up the eyes of my understanding. Open up my heart to see where these things took place, what took place, so that I can take the authority over it. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your word today, God. I thank you for the power that's alive on the inside of us right now. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to uh, look fear in the face and we can say, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power in the name of Jesus, I will not accept you into my life. Father, I thank you that there is a great grace upon the people right now as they walk through this next season. As they're walking through their everyday life, Father, I thank you that your grace is just permeating in their life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are just revealing um, even generational curses, generational fears, and we take authority over them right now in Jesus' name, and we tell them to be broken 
broken. I thank you, Father, that your word is alive in our heart, that your word is alive in our lives, and the things that have held us back, the things that we have been struggling with, in Jesus' name, that they would be broken and that we would be, that it would be broken free and we'd be able to run. What I'm seeing before me right now is somebody who's running and there's there's the, an elastic band that's that they're running against. And as they're running against it, they're feeling like they just can't get through it. They can't push through, through it. But in this moment, God is saying, I have called you to be broken free. I have called you to a higher level. I have called you to continue to run. I have called you to put your feet to the ground. And so today I'm going to cut that band that has held you captive. I'm going to cut that band that has stopped you from being able to run fully and freely into the call and the destiny that I put on your life. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are just here with us, God, that you are speaking to us. We receive your word. We receive what you have to say. And I thank you that you are the faithful God and that you have changed us and that we will walk out of these doors today and we would know the power that is alive on the inside of us this day. We will not fear because you are with us. We will not fear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know. I just, I feel like, I don't know what I, I feel like God is just, he's revealing things to you individually. I feel like God is revealing you've been crying out to him and saying, God, just, I don't know why I feel like I can't move. You feel like you've been stuck in the mud. And last week when I said, kick off your high heels and exchange them for running shoes, today I'm going to say, just kick off the boots that are stuck in the mud. Take a step out. Step out. Step out of the boat. Step out. Step out today. Amen. Amen. Well, God is good. Yes, give God a, a just praise today. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if anybody ha needs any prayer or anything, um, we'll have our team up here at the front. You can come on up and get prayer. Um, if you haven't met Stephen yet, um, feel free to bombard him and, uh, and go say hello to him. <laughs> Anyways, we love you all. Have a wonderful week and uh, be blessed and do not walk in fear. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. And hello and welcome to the After 9 show. So we just heard the message today. It's August 6th, 2023. And the message was part two in the Adversity Runner series. And it was themed fear and safety. Fear and safety. But Pastor Sherry said uh, running away from fear was like today's Amen. topic, right? So, um, and today was also an exciting day because we were able to announce Stephen and Andrea Henratty and their family um, joining our team on staff at Inspiration 9 Church. So that's really exciting. So Stephen's going to be helping, uh, uh, well, he's going to be overseeing the life ministry. So we've got Amen. Children's Church, uh, kid, uh, youth, young adults. Uh, and then all, all the other kind of stuff, right? What a beautiful couple. They're great. Eh? You know, I, I, I only just met them like officially a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Well, before they went to uh, the UK for a vacation. But 
Um, just getting to know him better this week and Andrea as well has been really encouraging. And I, I think it feels like they've just been part of our family since Amen. day one, right? I, I, I see the love of God in them. Me too. The, yeah. It's so natural. Yep. Eh? And I found it interesting in the video, Andrea was talking about a spirit of excellence since she mentioned Daniel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that would be what I would describe them as. Like when it comes to whatever they do, even when we are praying, it's like he pours his whole heart into it. And I just, I admire that very much. I, I watched him yesterday. We were at uh, the barbecue. Oh, the barbecue, yep. I tell you, he's got a heart for people. He does. He would, I think he spoke to everybody that was there. Yeah. He said that. He's yeah. like, I'm just, I'm just anxious to get to meet everybody yes. and talk to people. And I'm like, yeah, hey, that's a gift for sure. He'll be <laughs> right? a blessing to the body of Christ. He will be. Believe me. Yes, we're very blessed to have him on our team. But coming to th today's message. Yes, Pastor Luke, what do we have? Adversity will create fear in people's lives. Yes. In, in this world. Yes. And I'm telling you, unless we have... The fear of God, rather than allowing fear in, yeah. fear of God will keep that fear of the world out. You're right. With the Word of God. So, the Word of God is so essential. It's knowing who we are yeah. and what He's made us to be yep. and who He is. Yeah. What God has done for each one of us. That's right. He wants us to walk in freedom. Yeah. You know, the fear of God is so precious in the last year. I have never been challenged and seen the importance of the fear of God. Yeah. I see it all over the Word of God. Yeah. And we're just finishing a curriculum right now called the Awe of God. Okay. And the Awe of God is the fear of God. Yeah. And he describes it. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. Yes. It's a straight road. Narrow is the road yes. that leads to heaven. Yep. There's a dish on each side. And it's easy. For the cares of this life to draw us in ditches yeah but I, the more i grow in my walk with god the more i'm starting to understand how important the reverential fear of god is in our lives that's right yeah to keep us on that straight narrow path yeah and that's what she shared a little bit yeah. about today yeah you know when i was little this is kind of silly but i like paintings like i really enjoy looking at really like obtuse paintings and really cool things. And so my mom had this painting. I don't know if someone gave it to her from the church or what, but it was, it's kind of a little bit morbid, but it was um, a cross. Maybe you've seen it, that went across and on one side is the world. The other side is supposed to represent heaven. Do you know this painting? Yes, it's called the bridge. The bridge. <laughs> and then all you, all I remember is I love this painting. So I had, I had my mom put it up in my room. I think it was just a poster but all you see is like on the sides people just falling down in, into hell but i always whenever that verse comes up is that narrow is the path it's always what i think about and i believe and, it the older i get <laughs> and few are they that are on, yeah. on the cross yeah like and the older i get and the more things that come up that i never thought would become an issue are it's just like constantly the enemy is just trying to pick apart every little thing you know and just sure. do everything he can in his power to get you like pastor sherry said he's gonna he's gonna tempt you he's gonna do his best <laughs> you know that that picture speaks a thousand words yeah my son-in-law got saved because of that picture oh did he he asked me what it meant yeah 
I cling to that verse with all my heart because I'm like, if I'm tempted to fall into fear, if I'm tempted to fall into pride or, you know, whatever, uh, uh, discouragement or anything. God's able. He's able to help, like, to be there for us, to get us through, right? And he makes intercession for us. So it's all of these things Pastor Sherry was talking about today, even with Jacob and Esau. I thought that was really good. And then how she said that he had a habit of running. And there's one thing she said in her notes. I don't know if she hit this point, but it says, are we about the father's business or are we running in fear? And I think that's really, it's column A or column B, right? You, like you said, Pastor Luke, if you don't know what God's heart is, who you are in Christ, then you're not about the father's business. That's it. Right? But if we're going to be about the Father's business, He's given us a purpose. Yes. We have to know why we're here yes. on the earth. Yep. To fulfill our destiny. Yes. And He says His grace is sufficient is. for us to overcome any temptation of the enemy. Yep. And the more I understand that God has made a way, if He's made a way, that means we can do it. If there's a way, there's a there's way. There's a way. <laughs> We All can right. do it. Well, Pastor Luke, I think we're coming up to the end. Amen. So do you have the final word for our people that are watching us at home right now? Well, I would say um, watch the service. Yeah. Uh, there's so much adversity. Uh, we're called to be adversity runners. Yes. We were challenged at the end of the service. Take our boots off. No, I'll take our high heels off. Wow. <laughs> it might be your oh, high heels, week. but sorry, sorry. I'll Larry say my boots. Me. Boots this week, high heels last week. That's right. Yes, take your boots. So, and step out in faith. I'll guarantee you that God will meet you where you're at. That's right. And his grace is sufficient. Yes. And I look back at my life for the last 35 years. Mm -hmm. God has never failed me. If there's one characteristic that he showed me who he is, is he is faithful yes he is yes all right well hey pastor luke i'm so glad you're able to join me today i love when mm. we're able to do it together i feel like like i said to pastor dave it just flies right by that's it <laughs> but we hope you guys have the best sunday ever just a reminder tomorrow is canceled yes. because of the holiday but we will be meeting here at the serbian center this coming wednesday from 6 30 to 7 30 for our second flow so if you can make it out we'd love to have you um we're just going to be doing a time of worship and prayer and intercession with each other so um come and join us this wednesday at the serbian center 6 30 to 7 30 it's only one hour so don't be late god bless you all have the best day of your life